Hi, welcome back to the I Love Labs podcast. This is Sally Sykes, your functional medicine health coach. Today we're going to talk about what labs I like my coaching clients to ask their providers for so that I can help analyze them so we can get to the root cause of symptoms and help you you and my coaching clients reach their health goals and their weight loss goals, their longevity goals, and be the best versions of themselves health-wise and not just fall into those normal ranges. We want to see optimal ranges in functional medicine so we can actually prevent disease before it starts. And so I've had a lot of questions about, well, what labs do you like to see when you do a functional lab analysis? Can you use just regular labs? The answer is yes. For the most part, I'm just using um, labs that are from blood tests that your doctor can easily order that would be covered by insurance. But the ones that your doctor is typically gonna order may not include everything that we might wanna see, especially depending on your symptoms. And so I've had some people ask, what are the labs that I should be asking my doctor for if I'm having certain symptoms, right? So if I am having trouble sleeping, my libido is gone, if I can't lose weight, my hair is falling out, if I'm depressed or anxious or my mood is just not what it used to be, what are certain labs that I could ask my doctor for to rule out underlying conditions instead of just adding on an SSRI or a sleeping pill or an anti-anxiety medication, which can sometimes have other side effects that our patients and our coaching clients are not interested in having. And that is totally understandable. And that's what I love about functional medicine. We're looking to find and treat the root cause of your symptoms rather than just covering up those symptoms with additional pharmaceuticals that can cause side effects in and of themselves. We want to ask not just, oh, you're not sleeping, let's make you sleep, but why are you not sleeping, right? Could it be low progesterone? If you are depressed or anxious, right, uh, why is that happening? Could it be you have a low thyroid function? What about hormones? Are those not optimized in perimenopause, menopause, or andropause for men? Could be a whole lot of reasons. And in functional fertility, right? Well, why are we not conceiving? Could there be an underlying issue of PCOS, which is rooted in insulin resistance? Maybe just lowering carbs is what we need to do. Or talking to your doctor about a GLP-1 medication like semaglutide or trisepatide in those cases to restore fertility. That can be a possibility there as well because those medications help you reduce carbs and that can help restore fertility. It, there are a lot of different lab tests that, uh, that you'll see. And typically when you go, this is the time of year I'm getting these questions. A lot of people are going and getting their annual physicals and they want to be able to ask their doctors, are, they, are there any other lab tests that I should be asking my doctor for based on my symptoms and my health goals? And so typically for your annual physical, your doctor's probably gonna order a lipid panel to look at your cholesterol. They'll probably look at a comprehensive metabolic panel which is gonna have your glucose, it's gonna have your electrolytes, your liver and kidney function, probably a complete blood count with autodiff and platelets. That's gonna have your iron, your B12 and folate, and it's gonna have some markers to show if there's any underlying infection, viral, bacterial, parasitic, allergies, inflammation, that kind of thing. And then beyond that, they may check just one thyroid test, maybe a TSH only, 
um, maybe an HbA1c for blood sugar, which is your average blood sugar over the last three months. That's typically going to be it for most doctors, unless you are also have some other underlying issue that they've been following. For a lot of patients, they would like to dive a little deeper. And these are some tests that you can ask your doctor for. And you feel like you and your doctor discuss it and based on your symptoms, this might get some additional information for you so that you can get yourself to optimal and not just normal. The first I'm going to talk about is hormones because that's one I get a lot, especially in perimenopause, menopause, and andropause. Should I bother testing hormones? Should I ask my doctor to test them? And if so, what hormone tests should I be asking for? And the answer is in perimenopause, menopause, and andropause, you can treat hormones with bioidentical hormones just by symptoms alone, certainly. But sometimes it does help to have to be able to test and see where those levels actually are. And that way you can compare when you're feeling better to, to figure out what your optimal ranges are. And some of the tests that we like to see obviously would be estradiol and then progesterone. Testosterone, you want to get your free testosterone done as well as your total testosterone and your sex hormone binding globulin. That would usually be in a test all on its own. It's called testosterone free and total with SHBG. And you'd so you don't want just your total testosterone. We want the free and the SHBG as well. It's really important because the free testosterone is the amount that is available for use by your cells. So we want to know what amount is is unbound and free to to fuel your cells. Because if that SHBG is very high and it's binding up a lot of that total testosterone, you might end up with symptoms of low testosterone, even if your total testosterone is actually pretty high, but your free could be pretty low. So we kind of want to know the difference between those. Sometimes if you're having trouble getting out of bed in the morning. We want to look at a morning cortisol to see if that's maybe low or sometimes it can be very, very high, especially in women's on the hormonal birth control pill uh, or just under chronic stress. That's a good one to look at. FSH and LH are also good. The, the definition of menopause is 12 months without a bleed and usually doctors will also run an FSH test and see if that is over 30 three times in a row and then if you haven't had a bleed in 12 months and we see your FSH is over 30 for three times in a row we typically say yes we believe you're in menopause and that can give us some great information too. And then if you're in your childbearing years and maybe wondering about your fertility, the, the AMH test can be helpful for that. Um, that will give you an idea of your uh, remaining egg supply. And that's an easy one that can be tested any time of the month. Estrogen and testosterone are typically tested around day five of your cycle if you're cycling. And the best time to test progesterone if you're still cycling and it's regular is about seven days before your next period. It's your calendar. When are you due to have your next period? Count back seven days and try to get your labs drawn around that time. And if you have to choose between one or the other, between your estrogen and your testosterone on day five or your progesterone seven days before your period. I typically go with the progesterone seven days before your period because most, at least most of the clients I'm working with are perimenopausal and having symptoms of low progesterone. That seems to be the most common. And that's going to be the anxiety, insomnia, the moodiness, hair loss, low thyroid function, that kind of thing. You want to identify whether or not you are ovulating and that we can do that by timing your progesterone test about seven days before you start your period because that's when progesterone, if you've ovulated, should be at its peak. And if it's not, that means you're not ovulating or you didn't that cycle, which means that 
your progesterone is lower than we'd like it and you it's possible that you might benefit from some bioidentical progesterone supplementation from your doctor. That's a prescription, an oral micronized progesterone prescription from your doctor. I do like testing progesterone. It just gives us a good idea of where that insomnia and anxiety might be coming from and identifying it and then being able to track as, as you treat it with your doctor. Are those levels going up? Do we need to change the way that we're doing it to make sure that you are absorbing those bioidentical hormones and it's getting into your system? Are you having symptom relief? Uh, that thing. We also, for men and women, want to look at two pro-hormones called DHEAS and pregnenolone. Both of them are precursor hormones that are then converted into other hormones. So pregnenolone converts into cortisol and progesterone. So when we are stressed, our body sometimes uses a lot of that pregnenolone to make excess cortisol and it doesn't have enough then to make enough progesterone. We can end up with insomnia and anxiety and symptoms of low progesterone if we don't have that. And then DHEA converts a little bit into estrogen, but also into mostly testosterone. That can help boost testosterone levels on its own. And both of those hormones are really critical to brain function and to healthy stress response and fertility. And they are both discussed in Dr. Dale Bredesen's book, The End of Alzheimer's, and he stresses keeping those levels at optimal ranges, not just in normal ranges. That's another one, a couple you can check. And then for men, you might also want to check your PSA because if you're a man checking your hormones, your testosterone, your estradiol, you may be thinking about testosterone replacement therapy. Your doctor is very likely going to want to see a, a PSA test before they prescribe you testosterone replacement therapy. So you might as well go ahead and ask for that too, if that's something you're even thinking about, just to make sure. And it's just a good test to get anyway, to go ahead and screen yourself for um, the possibility of prostate cancer or benign prosthetic hyperplasia or BPH. Moving on to the next labs. This one I know I've said a million times before, but when you are testing for thyroid function, it is so important to get much more than the TSH, which is the standard lab that is tested for thyroid. TSH is simply the signal from your brain to your thyroid asking for more thyroid hormone. It's not a measure of how much actual thyroid hormone you have in your body. And when we're working with the doctors to diagnose and treat these thyroid conditions, it's really important to get a clear picture of what's going on with the thyroid. And you really can't do that by just a TSH alone, because sometimes the brain is not asking for more thyroid hormone to be made when it really needs to be. Because if we actually got under the hood and tested your actual thyroid hormones, we'd see that they were suboptimal and the patient is symptomatic. They're tired, their hair's falling out, their cycles are irregular, they're having brain fog, they're cold all the time, hairs, dry skin, brittle nails, low libido, exercise intolerance, exhaustion, these kind of things. And so we want to make sure we get a full thyroid panel, super important. So get your TSH, but also ask your doctor for a free T3, that's the active thyroid hormone that is available to fuel all of the cells in your body, to give you a metabolism, to give you cognition, to give you energy to work out, grow your hair, have healthy cycles. Then there's free T4, which is the inactive thyroid hormone, which is supposed to convert to the active form of T3 under normal circumstances. But when the body is under a lot of stress or is ill or inflamed, the body can instead convert that T4 into something called reverse T3, which you also need to test. 
because we want to find out how if the body is converting that free T4, the inactive form, into reverse T3, the inactive form, in, instead of the active form T3. So, and if that's happening, that is the brakes on your metabolism. That is your body saying, we are inflamed, we're in trouble, we need to slow down your metabolism. We're converting free T4 into reverse T3 instead of the active T3. And if we see that number elevated or out up above the optimal range, then we know that there are certain thyroid medications that really will not work for you. And it is better to go and ask your doctor for about different thyroid medications that bypass that system and give you the direct T3 uh, thyroid hormone that is active already, does not need to be converted, that will actually go ahead and fuel your cell by having to be converted. And then we also want to look at your TPO and TG antibodies to test for Hashimoto's disease because over 90%, I believe, of hypothyroidism, low thyroid function, is caused by Hashimoto's disease. And Hashimoto's is autoimmune hypothyroidism, is caused by autoimmune disease. And it's really important to know this because this can be put into remission by usually by eliminating gluten from the diet, often by eliminating cow's dairy as well. But Everyone's a little bit different. Sometimes you can just to get rid of the gluten. Sometimes for people, they are more susceptible to dairy, the cow's dairy specifically. But it's really important to know that because some people are willing to just get rid of those foods from their diet. They understand they're very inflammatory and do increase the risk of autoimmune disease overall of everyone. But not everyone is ready to do that. And so sometimes it really helps to see those autoimmune antibodies actually on the paper from the lab that they are elevated and if there are any we don't want any antibodies attacking the thyroid right even if they are not in if they're in the normal range of antibodies any amount of antibodies attacking your thyroid gland is not a good thing and if you continue to eat gluten and cow's dairy and it continues to create these antibodies against the thyroid eventually your thyroid will be destroyed and you will have to be dependent on thyroid medication for the rest of your life. And so the sooner you can try to reverse this, the better. And sometimes for, for some coaching clients, they really need to see what is being done to their bodies. And then once they get rid of those foods, we retest in three to six months and we see the antibodies go down. And then that helps maintain their changed way of life and they're able to continue this and they feel so much better usually and their thyroid is functioning better um, and they may still need thyroid medication but maybe they don't need as much as they would need otherwise. Testing for those, those antibodies can be really, really helpful. We also want to test for blood sugar, and we're already getting the uh, your glucose in the comprehensive metabolic panel, uh, but you want to make sure your doctor is asking for an HbA1c, which is your average glucose over the last three months, which is really important to see, but also really important to ask for a fasting insulin, especially if you've been having trouble losing weight or you have diabetes running in the family, um, because insulin is the fat storage hormone. It tells our bodies to store fat rather than to burn it. And insulin goes up when we eat high carb diets, just like the American government told us with the food pyramid, that has really done us a big disservice and created an obesity and diabetes epidemic to overconsumptions of carbs and sugar. And you wanna find out early on if your fasting insulin is higher than optimal, because what happens is your glucose can remain normal for a long time. Your A1C can remain in that normal range, even if it's not optimal for quite a long time, because your pancreas in trying to keep those two numbers normal and keep your glucose in the normal range 
it pumps out more and more and more insulin to pull that glucose and out of the bloodstream to make that toxic blood sugar lower in your bloodstream. The body really only needs one teaspoon of glucose in the bloodstream at any one time. And more than that, it's really toxic. And so the body pumps out more and more insulin to get that blood sugar out of the bloodstream and get it back down to that lower range. But the more insulin it has to push out to get that blood sugar out of the bloodstream, the more your cells become resistant to it. And over time, your pancreas has to release more and more insulin to get shove that extra blood sugar into your cells. And over time, you have very high resting fasting insulin. And that is really unhealthy and inflammatory for the body. And it makes it almost impossible to lose weight. If you've been one of those people who feels like you just don't, don't eat anything, you're working out all the time, and no matter what you do, you're still gaining weight, that could be due to high fasting insulin. And that's really frustrating. If, if your doctor has never tested that, which I don't believe many have usually, usually this is the first time they're seeing this when I work with a, a patient, they it's really eye-opening and very, very helpful. And there's a lot that we can do to get that fasting insulin down. It does take a long time to get it down, depending on how high it is, but it it is, it is critical to, to do that for long-term health and for weight loss, if that's one of your goals. And you do that by lowering carbs and sometimes by adding a GLP-1 medication like semaglutide or terzepatide. And those both can really, really help because they lower appetite and it makes it a whole lot easier to lower carbs and eat the way that we know that we're supposed to for our health and for our long-term weight management. So those are blood sugar ones. You can also ask your doctor for a uric acid test. That can be really important, especially if you're having symptoms of gout, which is an accumulation of uric acid crystals in the joints. And this can be a really painful disease that causes joint pain, arthritis, swelling, high blood pressure, heart disease. And typically this pain will start in the big toe and it is it can cause kidney disease, kidney stones uh, is associated with diabetes as well. And one of the one when you are testing this, if it does come back higher than optimal or you are having symptoms of gout or these joint pain and swelling, lowering carbs and sugar and especially beer, that can be a huge way to start to reverse that process and get things under control. Next thing is to look at your nutrients. You want to ask your doctor for a B12 and a vitamin D3. Those can be really helpful. And then when you ask for D3, it needs to be the vitamin D3 25OH test. There are different vitamin D3 tests and it just, you want to make sure you get the, the correct one. Your alkaline phosphatase is already in your comprehensive metabolic panel, but that's gonna show us if you have a zinc deficiency, that's helpful to go back and look at. And then your MCH, MCHC, and MCV are gonna give us some information about whether or not you are low in iron or possibly B12 or folate. And those are in your CBC, which will should already be ordered. That's a typical basic lab test that your doctor would order. RBC is also in your CBC, and if that is really low, low 3.77, that could be a low thyroid function, and that could also, if it's high, could be associated with a B vitamin deficiency or methylation issue. There are also certain labs that we look at to identify whether or not someone has possibly low stomach acid. Low stomach acid can happen as we age, but also when we have low thyroid function, 
Low stomach acid also happens when we are on semaglutide or terzepatide, these GLP-1 medications. And in this country, we are always popping antacids and thinking of stomach acid as a bad thing, but the truth is stomach acid is really critical for nutrient absorption. And it's one of the first lines of defense against bacteria, viruses, parasites, Bo, C. diff, H. pylori, um, e. coli, those kind of things. It's really important for, uh, for digestion and also overall health. When we look at that, we're gonna look at um, things that are from, from the labs that we're already getting above, whether or not your protein is low, if your bun is low, low globulin, high AG ratio, low chloride, high MCV, low zinc, low B12, or low iron. If we look at all of those together, they can often point us in the right direction and see if maybe you would benefit from uh, supplementing with something like betaine, HCL, pepsin, to boost your stomach acid and your digestion after meals. I've had a lot of patients complain of reflux when it turns out it, they didn't have too much stomach acid, they had not enough. And so the food was just sitting in their stomach and it was making them feel like they had reflux because the food was just sitting there and sort of coming up in their throat, but that was actually because they did not have enough stomach acid to digest the food in their stomach, and so it really wasn't going anywhere. What you typically see is if someone has low stomach acid, they may their labs may show nutrient deficiencies, even if they are taking supplements or eating a very healthy diet, because they are not able to absorb the nutrients in the food or the supplements that they are taking. As soon as we get that stomach acid back written replenished with a supplement like betaine HCL with pepsin, then we start to see those nutrient deficiencies turn around and they are able to absorb what they are taking and um, their health benefits. That is it for today. And thank you for tuning in to the I Love Labs podcast. And I hope this was helpful in figuring out which labs you might want to ask your doctor for and to get more information about your health and be your best self. I'll see you next time. Bye.